Would you revive your church in Jesus' name? Somebody said, Amen. Hey, uh, we are in a series through the book of Acts called Realignment. And today I want to talk to you about taking the scenic route. Acts chapter 16, verse 6, taking the scenic route when God gives a detour. How many have ever taken the scenic route on accident before? Let me see your hands. Scenic route on accident. You know, it's those moments in like a busy, busy uh, a city where there's so many overpasses. And you know how like the GPS is awesome. How many people remember it had to live when Randy McNally was telling you how to go to vacation, right? Remember that? You had the chart and the map or you had to print it out on MapQuest and then there was no, if the road was closed, you just had to figure it out on your own. Uh, but nowadays we've got this GPS on your phone and your car has Apple Play and all that. Let me tell you something, even then, it's not always accurate or it's not always fast enough. How many know that? You're in a busy city and you got like 14 overpasses coming up and 32 different exits and it's like, turn right. Which right? Which one? I mean, there's 14. How can I choose it? And then before it's, it's like calibrating, 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 and then you've already passed it. It's time to turn around and go back. Uh, we did that a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Christian and I, we went to a pastor's uh, a conference uh, in Texas, and so it was late, and over, very few things were open, and so we're like, let's go to IHOP. IHOP's always open, right? And so we uh, put it in the GPS, and you know, in, in big cities, you had to like go down, turn around, come back, get on the overpass, do a loop on the side loop. It's crazy. So we figured it out, put it in, put you it in, and we get there. Oh, guess what? We missed the turn, okay? It doesn't calibrate fast enough, so we go down to the next one, and then we'll come to this one. We get there, and because of COVID stuff, they didn't have any employees. They're like, we're open, but we don't have a cook. <laughs> I'll have juice. Thank you. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about this. So we walked out, left. So then we put in another restaurant, finally turn around, do some loop-de-loops, get to that one. And I'm going to tell you all, it was the best hamburger I have ever eaten in my life. And so sometimes detours are good, right? Sometimes detours get you to the best destination. If that had not happened, we would not have had that hamburger, and now I wouldn't be telling you about it today. Uh, but you know, sometimes in the spiritual journey, God's detours are actually shortcuts to your destination. Sometimes God's detours are shortcuts to His destination. There are times when the Holy Spirit, we think, takes us on the scenic route. He leads us into things of inconvenience, maybe times of waiting on Him to answer. Sometimes you feel like God's GPS, God's positioning system is broken, or it's on the fritz. How many know that? You ever had that happen before? You can think, well, what does this detour have to do with where I'm supposed to be in life right now? I thought this was supposed to work out, God. I thought this job was supposed to come through. This thing was supposed to happen. Or I'm supposed to be here by now at this time in my life. Scripture tells us about Joseph. He had to go through the pit and the prison before he got to the palace. It tells us how Israel led, uh, was led by God step by step in the wilderness every year, 40 different places over 40 years, step by step, to get to the promised land. God had a purpose to get them there at the right season in their life. Tells about David. He gets told as a boy he's going to be king, but he doesn't become king till he's a full grown man. And the whole time he's got to live under this rule of this crazy guy named Saul, but he had to wait until God's appointed time. He had a detour that he didn't think was a detour in his life. You know, see, there's a lesson sometimes in the long way. There is a testing in God's timing, and there is a working in the wedding. Somebody say amen. amen. 
There's sometimes a lesson in the long way, a testing in God's timing, and there is God's working in our waiting. Think about David Livingston. He's one of those great missionaries to China, uh, sorry, to Africa. David Livingston, see, he planned to go to China, but then God said, nope, go to Africa. So he goes to Africa, didn't understand why, but he ended up becoming one of the greatest missionary explorers, helping to end the slave trade. You think about William Carey. We've talked about him here before in our Sunday night series. William Carey was uh, this great first missionary from America. He was supposed to go to the South Sea, but the Holy Spirit led him to India, where he pioneered uh, missions in India, became one of the leading uh, evangelistic pastors there, and was the founder of missions in that part of the world. Uh, Adoniram Judson, he felt going to, he said, I'm going to go to Calcutta, India as well. But after time after time he tried to get there years would go by and he couldn't get there and finally the Lord led him to Burma and he was even persecuted and hung upside down for 11 months in Burma but because of his sacrifice and that detour in his life he became the first missionary to Burma and thousands of converts came after his death man you don't always know why God has a detour but sometimes those detour leads to God's destination they lead to God's destination sometimes what we think is a shortcut is actually a detour from God's plan. We want to get there quick. We have things we want to do. But God's detours are actually shortcuts to our destination. I have a question for you. What do you do when God's plan for you is patience? <laughs> Thanks, God. You know, what do you, what do you do? God's plan for you is patience. Or when God's work for you is wait. What happens when He wants to reroute your road? Or when you want to go, but God says no. How intimately involved is the Holy Spirit in your decision-making process? Every day, how is the Holy Spirit intimately involved in the decisions you make? Jeremiah said, O Lord, I know that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. You know, by nature, we go where we want to go, do what we want to do, buy what we want to buy, build what we want to build, sell what we want to sell. We kind of have our own plans. But when you give up your life for Jesus, he says, take up your cross and follow me and I'll make you into something. Leave everything behind, even hate your family for the sake of loving me and give everything up and I will get, you will gain something in eternity. And you give up the rights to your life and follow Christ. And along the way, you may come across some detours. But let me tell you something, that detour might be leading you to the greatest destination of your life. When you give up things and sell out for kingdom mission, God is going to take you on the most epic journey, and heaven's going to tell the story that you're going to write with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, amen. amen. To accomplish that mission, it means living first for God's plans, following the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and relying solely on His power. That's what I want to talk to you today about. God's plans, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and relying on His power. Acts 16, verse 6, if you're there, somebody say, amen. I want to talk to you about four ladies in a prayer meeting. Four, four men at a ladies' prayer meeting. Excuse me. Four men at a ladies' prayer meeting. Let's get us to Acts 16, verse 6. So, Paul had already done his first missionary journey with Barnabas. He goes back to Antioch, and he's in this Gentile-led church, and they're there for a long time. But then the Holy Spirit really begins to prompt him, and him and Barnabas kind of have a splitting of ways with John and Mark. But John, uh, John, Mark, and Barnabas go to the Isle of Cyprus, and they minister there. John, or Paul... Rather, he takes a prophet by the name of Silas. You know that name. He takes a prophet, and Silas is called a prophet in Scripture. That's who he is. He's a prophet in the early church, and 
Barnabas goes south and Paul goes north with Silas. Well, they get to another place and they take a young disciple named Timothy, and you know that name as well. They grab Timothy, and in a few uh, weeks' time or months' time, they're going to grab a guy by the name of Luke who's actually writing the book of Acts. And you're going to see his verbiage change from they to we here in just a second. So they think they're going to hit the southern Galatian churches that Paul already pastored from the book of Galatians, and they're going to go to the next region. But the Holy Spirit is about to put them on a detour to their destination. Look with us. Acts 16, 6. And they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia, well, that's Greece, was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come on over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately, look at this word, we, there's Luke, he's like, he joined them somewhere in there, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him. So putting in the sea from Troas, that's the Aegean Sea, we ran straight across to Samothrace, and on the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, that's the book of, to the Philippians, okay? And seeing the leading district of Macedonia, it's a Roman colony, they were, they were staying there for some days. Now on the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to a riverside, and where we were supposing there would be a place of prayer. We sat down, began speaking to the women who'd assembled there, and a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come stay in my house. And she prevailed upon us. She was a very convincing woman, apparently. I love how Luke put that in there. She, she got her way. Well, God's just going to tell you. She got her way. All right. So what happened here? Men, have you ever had to reroute your destination because of a woman? Don't answer. All right, because that's what they did. These four men set out on a journey to plant new churches and territories, and they find these men, four men, find themselves on a riverside at a women's prayer meeting. I mean, God, what do we, we were supposed to take on, you know, giant leaps of faith and go into enemy hostile territory and do this and plant 13 churches and come back with a great report of revival. We didn't get to go to a single church, and we're down here by a river at a women's prayer meeting of all things, all right? How in the world could this be our destination? I have a map up here, and I'm going to kind of, for those who, aren't, who are listening online, they're not going to hear this but, or see this, but if you've got to look at this. So they're, they're over here, and they go to Derby and Iconium in this first place of Galatia, okay? So this is all in modern-day Turkey. And they hit Derby and Iconium, they pick up Timothy, and they're like, let's go to the next door, uh, the next state over, let's go to the next region over, and that would be uh, called Asia back then. We say, well, we couldn't go. The Holy Spirit forbid us. So they say, look, we have to take this big mountain pass. So we go all the way north to the top. All right. So this would be like if you're in Louisiana and you want to go to, the Lord says, go to Alabama. And you find yourself not going through Mississippi, but go straight up to Tennessee, cut all the way over Tennessee, and then you wake up one day in Georgia. You didn't miss the middle two states. And that's what they do. They go straight up into north part of Asia, go over this Roman road into this mountain region where there are no churches to be planted. And they get detour after detour. The Holy Spirit is like ping-ponging them. They try to go south. He says, nope, don't go that way. Let's go straight again. Try to go south. Nope, don't go south. Keep going straight. And then you try to ping. Every time they hit this like jello, it's like every time they try to go in, something happens where the Holy Spirit says, don't go to that area. 
They get all the way through to Mishia, the, the northern region of Asia, get to the ocean, and they say, well, we can't go any further because we're looking at water, God. Where do you want us to go? I have no idea. Let's just go to bed. Get a hotel, guys. And, and they just say, I don't know what the Lord wants us to do. We didn't skip the last two states. We didn't pass up the two states we were trying to go to. And they end up at the water's edge. And that night, God gives Paul a dream of a Greek man, and he says, come across the ocean and give us the gospel. And immediately they said, this must be God. They get on a boat the next day, go across the Aegean Sea, and they find themselves hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles from their destination that they had planned. It was a detour, but it was actually a shortcut to God's destination for their life. And they go to Philippi. Philippi doesn't even have any Jews in it, doesn't even have a synagogue to preach at it. Had to have 10 men to have a synagogue. So there wasn't even 10 Jewish, biblically literate men in the city that you would normally use to build a church. That's what Paul would do. He'd find some Jewish men and start a church with them because they knew at least some of the Bible to witness to other people. Nobody to even build a church off of. No, not even to do a church plant. And they go to the river's edge. You remember that down by the riverside, you know, that old, that old, uh, 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 spiritual, right? You go down to the river to pray. That's where they're at. They're down by the river to pray, and they find women meeting down by the river. And on the edge of those women was a woman named Lydia, and she was listening to these Jewish women pray. See, Lydia was a wealthy businesswoman. She was a Gentile. We know that from the way the text reads in the Greek. She was a God-seeker. She wasn't a Jew, but she was thinking about converting to be a Jew. Something in this woman's heart was saying, I need to know something more than what I know. And she had a, a business, a purple dye, which was selling purple fabrics to the wealthy elite or to royalty. So she was a woman of influence. She had her own business, which was rare back then for a woman to do that. So she probably had lost her husband or she was divorced. But she was wealthy because we know she had a home with servants. So she was an established, wealthy Greek woman listening to a Jewish prayer meeting of all things outside the city gates. And Paul begins to preach there every day, and she listens to this man preach the gospel. And something spurs in her heart. She says, this is what I've been waiting for. This thing is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been seeking God for. I've been praying for an answer, something. I knew it wasn't full on Judaism, but this is it. This is the day that I've been seeking God for. God sent this man to me. And she gets saved. Not only her, she, she's kind of a bossy lady. So she tells all of her servants in her house to get back. You're going to get saved too. You're just going down the river today. So she convinces all her household to get saved. They go down the river. They get baptized. And even she says, now guess what, Paul? You're going to stay in my house. I'm, I, you don't care. You don't have a choice. You're going to stay in my house. This is how it's going to be. And so Paul, you know, somebody like that. Uh, Paul stays in their house. And guess what? Her home becomes the first base for the Philippian church. You ever read the book to the Philippians? It's the home base. One of the first churches. Now, there's many house churches that be established. And here's the catch, though. Why did God do that? And if you read Philippians, you'll find that she's not mentioned in the book to the Philippians. Because, here's what we believe. Her hometown was Thyatira. Right in the middle where Paul was trying to go plant a church, but God said, Paul, it's not your timing yet. I have a merchant lady, and she goes all the time from Thyatira to Philippi, back and forth, and she's a bossy lady, and she tells people how it is, right? And so Paul says, why can't I go to Thyatira and plant a church? 
Little did he know he would meet a woman down by the river and hundreds of miles away, and it would be her life and legacy. Heaven will tell. We don't know anything about her after this moment. I believe that she would go back to Thyatira, and her influence and her authority and her wealth will be one of the foundation reasons why the gospel could later be preached into Asia. If you go back into the book of Revelation, you'll find that the churches in that area are the churches of Ephesus and Colossians and Sardis and Smyrna, Thyatira. Those are all the churches in Revelation. Now, what if this bossy, opinionated lady that got saved on a river in Philippi because Paul was listening to a detour of the Holy Spirit was the destination to plant churches in Asia. I mean, come on, when you listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, there's no telling what might occur in our community. There is a plan in place. God so loved the world, He has a plan to seek and save the lost. He's looking for a group of people who'll just get in tune with His GPS and say, God, what do you want to do today? Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go today? Who do you want me to talk to today? You never know how it might change generations for the cause of Christ. God had a plan. They were wanting a shortcut. And what seemed to be a detour was actually their destination. Number one is plans. They said, if the Lord wills, James said, come now who say today, today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city and spend over a year there and engage in business and make a profit. But on our plans, he says, but you don't know what your life is going to be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. I remember being... 12 hours into a six-hour trip one time, <laughs> and uh, you catch that, 12 hours into a six-hour trip one time. We had so many detours on the way to this family vacation. Beth and I just literally at the next detour, the next time they shut the highway down, we just began to laugh. We're like, this just must be the Lord. We are not supposed to get there on time today. And sometimes we don't understand what God is doing in those moments. Paul had plans, but sometimes our good plans are not God's best plans even he told the Romans, he says, I've often planned to get to Rome, but God has been delaying me. He had another way that he would get to Rome in chains. That wasn't really part of his plans. That wouldn't be my plans either. But he says, I plan to come to you, but later he'd come in chains. That's how God planned to get him there. Who has the right in your life to tell you no? Men, women, who has the right in your life to tell you no? Now, you might say it's a spouse, and some of you might even say that. Uh, who has the right to say, don't buy this, or don't do this, or don't go there, or don't do this? As adults, we're like, that's one of the things I got out of my house for, because I get to tell myself what I get to do. But when you give your life over to Christ, you give up that right, adults. And you say, God, what do you want to do? Who in your life has the right to tell you, no with your money, no with your time, no with your work? Proverbs says, if you commit your works to the Lord, your plan will be established. It means to put our plans into God's plans. It means to give my life on kingdom mission so God will order my steps. And along the way, I might have some detours to say, God, why am I here? Why did I have to go through that? Why isn't this working out? But then I can remember Isaiah 58. But my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. My detour might just be a path to his destination. Number one, put your plans in the plans of God. Number two is the prompting. One of the most important evidence in your life of the Holy Spirit should be His regular direction. 
One of the most important evidences of the Holy Spirit in your life should be His direction. I'm glad that we can have the gifts, and some people can speak in tongues, and some people can prophesy, and that's wonderful. And some people can sing well, and give well, and do all kinds of great things. They've got great gifts. But the one direction, the one evidence I want to see in people's life is, do you listen and obey the voice of God? Can you hear the voice of God and do what He says? I'm, it's great that many people can do these things, and I don't care whether we speak in tongues or not, if we're not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's all for nothing because we can't accomplish anything by ourselves. And so the prompting of the Holy Spirit here, we used to go in Missouri, we had this huge corn maze outside of town and it was so complicated you had to have like an app on your phone to figure it out and they actually had to give you a map and they had emergency exits because you, there's people that were there like three days, not really, but they had emergency exits so you could get out. Well, they have a tower though that if you have a phone, your friend can go to the top of this walkway and get on the walkway and say, okay, right, left, take another left, and navigate you through so that you can win, all right? And then when you win, you ring the bell. I kind of think of the Holy Spirit like that way. Sometimes God doesn't give us the whole picture, but we need an advocate, a helper, who's got a little bit better perspective than us, who's a little higher than we are, who can look down and say, right, today, left, 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 no, the other left, other left, other left. Turn around. You just went the whole way. You need the Holy Spirit in your life activated. It's like uh, God, one of my pastors used to say, God doesn't give you maps. He gives you a compass. Because if I had a map, I would say this way, this way. Oh, that's a better route. Let's go there quicker. That's an off-roading. Oh, come on. I got a four-wheel drive. I can get there faster. And we would try to do that. But if the Holy Spirit is like a compass, you just know this way is north. That's the heading that I'm heading for my life. I don't know exactly what step, what's going to come across the hill. I just know the direction. Follow the Holy Spirit to His promptings. I believe God will guide you. Isaiah 58, verse 11 says, The Holy Lord will guide you continually. Isaiah 48, 17, I will lead you in the way you should go. Romans, Paul would later write, For all who are being led, somebody say led. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Let me say, if the Holy Spirit is leading you, where is He at? Is He behind you? Or is He beside you? Or is He in front of you? Someone leading you is in front of you. It's like the children of Israel in the wilderness journey. It said the pillar of fire or pillar of cloud led them from place to place. As if they just say, let's get up and we're going to have a normal day today. But then they say, oh, the fire's moving. All right, honey, pack the kids. Get up, get in the car. Hurry, hurry, we got to go because the Holy Spirit's moving. Wherever He's moving, that's where I want to be going. I want to set myself second to the Holy Spirit in my day. I haven't, I like Paul, he'd say, I have not yet achieved this, but I'm pressing for it, all right? It's to say, God, I want to set your presence first. When I get up in the morning, set your presence first before me. And when your presence is going, that's where I want to go. And if your presence says stop and go to aisle 7 instead of aisle 5, I'm going to trust that there's a reason God wants me on aisle 7, even if aisle 7 is longer at the grocery store store. Are you with me? It's practical stuff. He says, don't eat at that restaurant, but go to this restaurant. Don't take that table, but go to that table. He should be that real in our life that we're not just saying, God, should I give to this missionary or to a tithe or not? That's not the Holy Spirit. That's just plain Bible. But if the Holy Spirit is so activated in our life, he should be able to say, take this job. Don't take this job. Buy this. Don't buy that. Go here. Don't go there because he's before you. 
I think we'd get out of the house, get our keys in the car, and go and made it to the office with our coffee in hand before we've even checked if the Holy Spirit's in the back seat or not. And say, God, did you get up? Did you were, he was already up before you. He's already made your pancakes in. I mean, he's already there before you've ever turned the coffee machine on. Say, Holy Spirit, you have an agenda today. What do you want to do? The prompting of the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and nobody would even know the difference. But if the Holy Spirit has been withdrawn from the early New Testament church, 95% of what they did would have stopped and we all would have known the difference. Am I falling in line behind the Holy Spirit? Number three. His plan, His prompting, and His power. Why does God put us on detours? Why didn't God just tell Paul, Paul, I want you in Philippi on this day and time? I don't know. I don't have all the answers. Why didn't He just tell us sometimes what He's going to do? Well, that really wouldn't be walking by faith, would it? Sometimes God puts us on detours because we have to learn the art of waiting on God. I challenge you to go through Psalms and underline every time it talks about waiting. Psalms and Isaiah, wait on the Lord. Remember those that wait upon the Lord will renew their, what? Strength. They'll rise up with wings like eagles. It means to not trust in yourself and your own strength and your own power, but to wait on His strength and His power. We have great agendas and programs, and we have things we're going to do with our money and time, and we things we know we ought to do, and we know how to do things. But if it's to wait on the Lord and say, God, I want to do it your way with your power. Jesus was making a point through Luke to say, this thing was not Paul's ingenuity. It was not Paul's power. This thing was made by the Holy Spirit. God loved Lydia so much, he was willing to send four men to a women's prayer meeting. I want you to see the love of God in that. Paul would have done it. Paul would have got all the credit. But if we just say, God, I'm too ignorant to figure things out. I'm just going to trust in you. That's easier anyway. And say, Lord, where do you want me to go and when and how? And then he gets all the glory for what happens because it's going to be his power that does it, not my power. Because that's what we say, well, God, how can I do this? How can I trust God? How will I know? How will I hear? How can I be sure? You see, every person on this trip had accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. They'd received the immersion of the Holy Spirit. They were dunked, let's just say, in the Holy Spirit. We get dunked in water. We get immersed into water. Well, there was this immersion of them into the Holy Spirit, this dunking of them into the Holy Spirit, where their whole life was immersed into the power of the Holy Spirit. It was dynamic power that gave them boldness to witness. And even Jesus said, this is so important. Don't even think about going on this journey unless you have this. Wait until you're clothed with power. Be immersed in the Holy Spirit in your life. And then every day these men had regular prayer. I want you to note that both in Acts, two times, uh, both those men, Paul in Acts, it says, Paul was a prophet and a teacher. He was later an apostle. And Silas, he was called a prophet. What does that mean? They were men who had cultivated a life of hearing the voice of God. And I don't know how God talked to them every time. They're like, I'm going to go here. Oh can't go there. Was it a sense in their heart? Was it in the morning they had a, 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 a prophetic word in their personal prayer? Was it a vision? We don't know. We just know that the Holy Spirit guided them because He got all the credit. He got all 
the credit. It was not by their might or not by their power, but it was by God's Spirit that God was going to do great and mighty things. You see, you can't accomplish God's plans without God's power. And if you've set your life to be on God's plans, He will give you His power to do it. But sometimes it requires that detour of waiting. I close with this. I've been actually reading a book uh, by Andrew Murray, as I mentioned earlier. And the chapters, that are, the section of the book that I'm on is all about waiting on the Lord. I've been reading about verses on waiting on the Lord for the past probably four months every day. That I remember to grab that book out of my office and read those. Just to cultivate a life of being in the presence of God and not getting in a rush that I need God just to get through a day. You see, he says in the Psalms, none of those who wait for you, Lord, will be ashamed. No one who waits on the Lord will be put to shame and say, God, I don't know why I'm here. Why am I going through this season of my life? Why have I had to go through these tests and trials and tribulations? God, why are you sending me through this? Why did you put me to this? If you wait on the Lord, you'll never be put to shame. That detour might just be for a Lydia down the road. You don't know why. God puts you through months of lonely nights, months of ineffectiveness, months of warning if this is what God has even called you to do, months of warning what happened here. I, we don't have any fruit for this ministry. All of our church members are going to say, y'all didn't do anything with the money we sent you out with. You didn't get one single convert. You've been gone for almost a year, Paul, and you only went to one lady. Man, those who wait for the Lord will never be put to shame. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning? God's detours are shortcuts to His destination. Will you give up your plans to follow God's plans? Will you listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit? And will you trust in His power to accomplish it? You do not have to fear to jump out in this kingdom mission. Pastor, I don't know how to talk to people who are strangers. I don't know how to do those things. I don't know how to be involved in kingdom mission. You just set your life to follow Jesus, and he will do the rest. You just trust in the Lord. He's good. He'll give you good gifts. He says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be a witness. Wait on him. He's going to do it. You might say, well, God, I make make a fool of myself. Don't worry. It'll all come out. God's going to get glory. It's going to be a better story than you could have ever done on your own. I want you just to take a moment and pause with me just for a second and ask yourself these honest questions. How involved is the Holy Spirit in my daily routine? How involved is the Holy Spirit in purchases that I make in my family budget? How involved is the Holy Spirit in the decisions we make as a spouse, as a couple? How involved is the Holy Spirit in decisions we make with our time and activities as a family? God has a plan. And He loved that Lydia so much. He was looking for some people who would give up their life to tell her how much God loved her. What are you, are you that family? Are you that couple? Are you that person? 
who God could look down and say, I know someone. Let me turn on their GPS. I can get them there in the right time. I want God to have the destination setting on my GPS. I want God to be able to plug in the address and my spiritual GPS so he can send me and he can show people that he loves them. And I get to be a part of that heavenly story. See, there's no greater reward, there's no greater thing than living for God's plans. And he'll give you the prompting and the power to do it. He's just saying, who's willing? Who's willing? See, God, I got a lot going on right now, but are you willing? God, I got all this stuff in my life. God can do that. He'll handle it. He's looking for obedient servants. Say, God, would you send me? God, would you send me? God, would you use me?